Well, here's what we're going to do today. Um, we're going to be talking about baptism. Uh, yesterday, I, I did a wedding, and, and I had a first for myself ever doing a wedding. Uh, I encourage people to write their own vows and then to, you know, to say their vows and not do the ones that I do. And, and so I was so excited. This couple had put together these vows that were just phenomenal. And all of a sudden, I'm standing up there, and I realized in the middle of the ceremony, I forgot their vows. And it's one of the worst feelings in the world because this is their wedding day, right? So I'm sitting there and, I, and I, I'm like, I notice it and I'm trying to figure, okay, what do I do? What do I do? All the while I'm talking and thinking. And finally I get to this point point, I go, I, I totally feel stupid, but I forgot their vows basically. I forgot that there was a lady signing for the, for the people that were deaf there. And she looks at me, she goes, oh, you can just use these. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you know? <laughs> That's really not what I'm going to talk about, but I'm just confessing. (laughs) But in my time with them, what was so cool is they asked me this question, which nobody had ever asked before. When are we actually married? And I go, I mean, part of me was like, what, are you stupid at your wedding? I I go, well, like, what do you mean? They go, like, at what point along the way, like, who decides we're married and all these different things, right? And they were asking, actually, a very good question. They weren't stupid. And as we were sitting around talking, we began to talk about what makes somebody married and what are the things that we do to demonstrate what God has already done in us. In other words, when God makes two people one flesh, we don't see that, do we? You don't don't actually get to watch it when it takes place inside of a wedding, but you do get to see the things on the outside that represent it, the vows and different things. And one of the things that we do at weddings to represent what's happened there in that one flesh, that, that moment of marriage is we give one another rings. They're, they're, they're this thing that tells people that I'm married, that there's something that happened in my life that demonstrated that I've become this one flesh reality with another person and I'm in solidarity with them. They're, they're my partner. Now in so many ways, and this is one of the things that's important about baptism, baptism is a very similar thing. In other words, when I come to know Jesus Christ, we don't see fully what happens, but baptism is this way that we then be, are able to act out what God did in our lives in front of a group of people. It's the way that we demonstrate to everybody the reality of what took place at me when Jesus Christ rescued me, and we model it out. We show what that looks like, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. But here's the question we're going to ask. What is baptism? Okay, so this is the first one. The word baptism comes from basically three Greek words, and they all kind of have this baptized idea. They're they're a word that's been translated in English. One is baptizo, another one's bapto, or the other one's baptismos. And literally what it was, was to be dunked or to be drowned, even. They would use it of drown, and we promise if we baptize you, we won't drown you. But it's this idea in which it's to be fully immersed in something. Now, it wasn't just like a a Christian thing. Actually, in the Gentile world, in the Roman world, they had forms of baptism. They would do ceremonial cleansing. They would do all kinds of rites and rituals in which they would baptize people. They 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 would even do some of the baptisms in everything from blood to like organs of animals, you know, so we also won't be doing that. But it was just this way in which they were demonstrating, I'm going into something and I'm coming out something different. It was an initiation, right? And oftentimes they connected it with new birth. I'm now this different person. Now in the Jewish faith, though, they ran into this thing, and this is where baptism starts to become important, is that how does somebody who's a Gentile 
become now a Jewish person? What, what is the process that needs to happen? Now what they would do is, is there was three basic things. There was milah, and milah was the thing that all men dreaded, even as adult men, is that in order to come into the Jewish faith, you must be circumcised. So you know the moment they said milah, and they said, so to join this Jesus thing, or to join this Jewish thing, I've got to get, excuse me, circumcised? Explain to me circumcision. It probably was like a dreadful moment for that guy. The wife was like, man, I'm glad it's you. But... But women have to do childbirth, so I guess it's a good trade. But in it, that was the first thing, is milah. They would be circumcised. The second thing that would happen to them is they would be tebula. They would be immersed. Now, here's what's key to our understanding of baptism. In their immersion, they were saying, I'm leaving the old Gentile world, and I'm being raised anew to follow the true one God of Israel. I am changing. I'm losing my allegiance to one, and I'm putting my allegiance to the other. The third thing they would do is then a sacrifice in which they'd come in, and for their sin, they, it was called Corban. They would make this sacrifice of, of a sin offering to God as an acceptance gift to him, and that would be kind of the process. That's what they would go through. But now not only was their baptism in that way, but one of the things we find in Scripture is this, this guy, the last prophet in Israel, John the Baptist, who comes along and he starts baptizing people. Now, John's baptism was interesting because in calling them, he was calling them to repentance and everybody within the Jewish faith, they just knew something was wrong. Have you just noticed, even within the United States, everybody just knows something's wrong with our country right now, right? Everybody will say that. It just doesn't feel right. And all these Jewish people were acknowledging there's something not right about our system. And what they were doing was, when they would go out to John, is they were acknowledging they were part of the problem. My sin is part of the problem. I need to repent and I need to go the other way. That I'm creating part of this problem. Not only that, they were acknowledging what we find out later in Acts 19.4 is that when John baptized, he was baptizing because they knew they needed Messiah. Everything about it was, as he would baptize, was this need of repentance and this need of Messiah. As he would baptize them, that was the idea. They were expecting something. Now what's interesting, and if you go with me to Matthew 3, chapter 3, verse 13, and I'll also put it up on the, on the screen, is in this whole baptism thing, along comes Jesus. Now with Jesus being baptized, there was this idea, that, and you're going to see this with John, he has no need of repentance. Why is this dude showing up? But Jesus comes to him, verse 13, and he says this. He came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have, would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now follow me in this. Every group of people had an idea of what baptism was. It had its own meaning to it. If you were in the Gentile world, if you were part of this, this Jewish person that's becoming a proselyte, if you were part of people going out to John the Baptist, everything had a meaning. But in this moment, it's so important. Jesus is now going to change the meaning of baptism. 
It's no longer going to be for everything that everyone has said, the Gentile world or the Jewish world. There's something that's going to be different here. And the way that he puts it down in verse 15 is he says it this way, is for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, later we're going to understand how he was going to fulfill all righteousness, and he connected it to baptism. Go with me, <coughs> excuse me, go with me to Luke 12:50, and again, I'll, I'll put it up on the screen. But go with me to Luke, chapter 12. What is this righteousness that he's going to fulfill? Verse 49, he's kind of been talking about what it's going to be like when he comes back. And in verse 49, he said, I came to cast fire on the earth and and wood that it were already kindled. And watch this. I have a, here's our word, baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Now he starts to give us a clue, and this is very important. The righteousness to which he's going to fulfill has everything to do with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now watch this with me. He was saying, there's this picture of baptism, John, way back in Matthew 3, that when you place me down, it is going to be my death, my burial, and my resurrection. In other words, he was showing what this was going to look like, and it was all connected to a future event, his death, burial, and resurrection. You can also see it, and I'll just throw this one up on the screen. The next one, you got it, Mark 10? Sorry, I didn't guide you very well. Mark 10. Jesus said to them, and they were all kind of arguing about who's the greatest, and he says to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the drink, and here's our word again, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Now stop for a second. In other words, the baptism that he had in John was going to have a greater meaning, which was going to be this baptism in regards to his death, burial, and resurrection. This is going to become so key. When we think about baptism, Everything is about Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. If I need to, I can say it once more. Death, burial, and resurrection. Now, why is that the case? Well, Paul's going to answer for us because he's going to tell us something also about the greater. Go with me to Romans 6, and I just want to slowly kind of work through this in regards to baptism. He's going to tell us about the greater that happened in our life when we came to know Jesus Christ. Romans 6 and chapter 1. Here's Jesus saying this connection is here. I'm starting something new. It's going to be based around my death, burial, and resurrection. And then in Paul, in chapter 6, this person is talking about, you know, the sin thing and should sin, uh, should I, that grace may increase, should I just sin all the more? And he says, may it never be. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And look at verse three. Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Now stop for a second. Here's the great theological connection that's going to happen now that Paul talks about in Colossians 2 and all throughout the scriptures. 
The greatest news in the world is that all of you, when you came to know Jesus Christ, his death, you joined him in. Now, why is that so important? On the one hand, it all goes all the way back to the garden is, is that on the day that you eat of it, you will surely what? Die. In other words, if somebody doesn't die for me, I'm going to have to die that death. The beauty of what happens there now is that Jesus Christ died our death. All of you in here that now are followers of Jesus Christ, when you die, and it's even what, what happened when we were talking about, uh, uh, what was her name again? Gosh, Terry, gosh, I really loved her actually. We don't say goodbye. Why? Because that death no longer holds us. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, that's what Paul says. Oh, death, where's your victory? Where's your sting? It is completely gone. All of us sitting in this room right now as followers of Jesus Christ, we are mockers of death. Right? You can clap, it's cool, I don't mind. But there's just this side of it, we've got to wrap this up is that Paul is giving this grand theological reality. When we were baptized into Jesus' death, when we were that, that moment happened, we no longer face death anymore. Now his connection that he's using baptism, I think, here is so important. He's saying that the very act of baptism, this idea of being placed down, dying with him, should be acted out. So that means every one of us in here, when we were baptized, what we acted out when we went down into the old water is we said, the old me is dead. Now, amen, thank you. Now, a lot of, maybe some of you don't know Jesus Christ, and let me just put it to you this way. You know flat out that the current you causes a lot of problems, The current you right now, and the Bible tells us, the reason that you are the way you are is because you're in sin. When we come to know Jesus Christ, the beauty is, he's going to go into this a little further in chapter 6 of Romans, is not only did the old me die, but now there's going to be a new me that's going to live. Now, Galatians 2.20, keep your finger in Romans 6 and just go over to Galatians 2.20. Let me see if I can kind of lay this out for you. Galatians 2.20. Paul's making a similar argument here. He says, listen, I, and you can put your own name in there, Todd, has been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live But now watch this. But Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we came to know Christ, not only did the old Todd die, but now this new Todd by faith was resurrected and now he's the Todd that can live this new life. In other words, I died the death with Jesus, but I now receive the life that Jesus has. I can live differently and walk differently. It's everything we talked about in 1 Corinthians. We now have the mind of Christ. And so if you're sitting here today going, yeah, Todd, that makes sense. My life is all jacked up. It is messed up. I'm telling you the only fix to a jacked up life is an amazing Savior, Jesus Christ. 
See, this is what we're talking about with baptism. See, it's not just, oh, go up and get dunked in some water and come back out and we go through this ceremonial ritual. No, 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 no. We are showing off the greatest reality of all time, the moment whereby which God takes somebody and they are forever doomed to an eternity apart from him. He then rescues them, makes them one of his own. Later in chapter eight, nothing can ever separate us from him. And then when he raises them out, he makes us all new so that my hands got new and my feet did too. Everything began to change about me. See, the reason some of you are struggling with sin right now, those of you that are followers of Jesus, you've forgotten who you are. You are not that old man anymore or woman. I remember, I'm the 21st century. We're different. We have to go back every once in a while, don't we? Man, I was sitting there, they were reading their vows yesterday. I, I couldn't help but look at my wife in the audience. They're sitting there, you know, being all lovey-dovey and sharing these vows. And I'm like, <laughs> looking at my wife. <laughs> Why? I have to be reminded. Those moments at those weddings when two people get up and make that commitment again, I'm reminded, oh yeah, that's my woman. There she is. She was embarrassed and hid, but that's my woman. <laughs> When somebody gets up here to be baptized, the beauty of acting it out, the beauty of now watching somebody go down in that water is as you watch them go down in the water, you're reminded, oh yeah, that was the old me too. And when they come up out of that water, you're reminded, oh yeah, but that's the new me now. Every time we act out baptism, we're doing what Romans 6 talks about, an invisible thing that happens in a person's life, we now begin to see in a real way. We get to watch it. It's a way in which we now give a symbol or a, a portrayal of what happened to us internally. This is important. Some people will say, well, if it's just a portrayal, then why do we even do it? Well, let me, let me give you the simple answer first. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, as you're going, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So here's your first simple answer. Because Jesus said so. Make sense? Sometimes people will go, you know, why, why do I need to get baptized? If that's not essential to my faith, if it's just a portrayal, why do I need to get baptized? I just don't get it. Because Jesus said so. I don't know how many of you grew up in a home with a strong dad, but I did. I'll never forget one time I started to talk smack to my mom. She said, wait till your father gets home. I was standing in front of him, and he goes, why did you do it? Did I tell you to do it? Are you going to do it again? Because daddy said so. Now a second thing is this though. It's one we sometimes don't see is that we're going to go back to the garden again. All of you in here were created by God to display Jesus Christ. Did you realize that every time we go into that water that somebody is rescued and saved, they come to Jesus by faith, 
then out of obedience, they enter into that water. They are displaying to the whole world again what it meant <clears throat> for Jesus to, be, to die, be buried, and rise again. We're just showing off Jesus. People will say to me sometimes, oh, I don't know if I can do it in front of all those people. And I'll say, don't, just go show off Jesus. This is what baptism is. It's, it's in some ways, it's simple. People will ask me, so, you know, can we pour? Can we sprinkle? And I always say to them, but that's not what it looks like when Jesus died and was buried and rose again. That looks like a shower. He didn't say be showered in the name of the Son, the Holy, you know, the Spirit, the Son. He said be baptized. Now, at the end of the day, <clears throat> somebody can't get in the water. Is there flexibility? Totally. Second question is, what about infants? Many of you grew up in a, a church, maybe like the Catholic Church, or maybe a Presbyterian Church, a church that practices infant baptism. I don't want to in any way cast aspersions on that, but I would say that's just like many of the other baptisms I talked about in this world. How in the world can I baptize a little one that doesn't understand the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? I think it's great that parents want to commit their kids to Jesus, that they might follow Jesus, but that's not the baptism that Jesus talked about. And I would even say this, if some of you in this room that have never been baptized as a believer, I would say you need to be baptized as a believer. And if you say why, I'll just say because Jesus said so. <laughs> so when people ask why do we make baptism so important around here, that's why. It's because it tells the gospel. The message that all of us in here who believed it were changed forever. Now there's some things that we're gonna make that just some distinctions here that I just want everybody to understand. <clears throat> the first one is this. For the longest time we were convinced that we just needed to do baptism as soon as we could after we thought somebody had had maybe a profession of faith. Now in Romans or in Acts 8, we come to this beautiful time in which Stephen and the Ethiopian eunuch are in, interacting back and forth, and Stephen, or Philip, excuse me, was making sure that he understood the gospel. And it wasn't until he understood the gospel that finally this Ethiopian eunuch says, Well, gosh, what's keeping me from water? The question that I think we need to ask ourselves as a church is before we baptize somebody, yeah, what would keep you from water? See, sometimes what will happen is, is that people will come forward and they'll say, oh, I want to get baptized today. I brought my whole family. I brought mama and daddy and grandma and grandpa. And I've even brought the postman. I mean, it was just, I brought everybody today. And you sit down with them and you begin to say, do you understand the gospel? And quickly we understand that they don't understand the gospel. And oftentimes we have to tell people, man, we can't do it because you don't understand the gospel. So one of the things that we're going to do is, is not to put it off long. We're not going to start a six-part class on baptism or anything like that. But one of the things we're going to ask you to do is before you get baptized, to let one of the pastors or elders or leaders know that you're going to get baptized. Just let us know so that before you invite everybody to come, and by the way, if you get baptized, invite everybody to come. Why? Because you're preaching the gospel when you get baptized. Invite as many people as you can. But just make sure you sit down with us. We just have an opportunity to make sure, do you understand what you're doing? Do you understand the gospel? I think another thing that's going to become important to us is, and especially as we, we, we think through this idea of, of, of baptism, 
is to make sure that as we begin to talk about it, that the gospel is always clear. We want to make sure that as we baptize you, when your friends and different people come, they understand what's going on, that they're clear on it, that they get in the back of their head, that's what you're doing. So I hope I've made this as clear as mud today. We're going to be available for questions. I will be around this particular issue. Again, I just wanted to lay it out there and get us started on it. There's nothing big we're going to change other than just asking people to slow down a little bit before they get baptized. But for those of you that maybe didn't know, that's why we're so excited about baptism. Not because it saves you, not because it in any way makes you cleaner than you were before, but because it tells the world the gospel, what's happened in your life when Jesus changed you. If you're somebody in here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, if maybe you were sitting there and thinking, gosh, yeah, my life is screwed up, I will tell you this, Jesus Christ came to transform lives. The reason you're screwed up is because you haven't bent your knee to Jesus, and today is the best day in the world to bend your knee to Jesus. Next week, we're going to be doing baptisms at Easter time. If you want to get baptized, please, before you invite your friends and family, talk to us first. Let us know that you're going to get baptized. We probably won't turn people away at the end of the day on some of it because this is new and not everybody's heard. But just let us know. That's all we're asking. Amen? Okay. Last thing is this. I haven't said this for a while to this church. I love you. Gosh, do I love this church. There's this, let me finish, thank you. Let me tell you why. I love this church because when I look around at it, I see the spirit of God alive in you. I see people that take seriously the word of God. I see people that give and sacrifice in a way that I've never been involved in in a local church. I see people that when you show up, you better bring the word because if you don't bring the word, they're gonna ask you about the word. And I know some of you are gonna come up afterwards and go, I don't know, I don't know what you said, Todd, which I'm great with. Don't ever take what I say as gospel, only the word of God. But I just want you to know as a shepherd, and I think I can say this on behalf of all of our pastors and elders, we love you. Thank you so much for the joy it is to serve this church. And we, can we all stand and we're gonna pray? I'm gonna bring Billy up. We're going to get going. Father, thank you so much for baptism. Thank you for the beauty of what it is. Oh, Father, thank you for creating a way for us to show what's happened to us internally. Father, I pray that we have more people that come and get in that water. Father, people that come to know you, whether they're kids or whether they're old ones, Father, we just want to see people come to know you, love you, and then, Father, to walk in newness of life. Father, would we never teach just a gospel of just going to heaven, but help us to teach a gospel of transformed lives, of people made different, of people that are, are able to display you, the reason for which we were created. Father, thanks for heaven. I appreciate it so much. But God, help us to teach that Jesus Christ, when he saves, he saves all the way. We love you in your precious name. Amen.